was uh, Kiss the Rain by Billy Myers. And I want to apologize to everyone. Um, I was completely ready when I walked out the door today to do this radio show. Completely ready. I had everything figured out. And I walked over here and I uh, realized that I had absolutely nothing with me that I would actually need to do said radio show. Had to get a ride back and I'm now 10 minutes late. So I think I'm going to have to cut some stuff out of here, which is really sad because I had some really cool stuff planned for today. So um, we're going to start out with a new segment called Irrelevant News and Weather. Okay, today is Curling is Cool Day. Remember that really weird Olympic sport that looked like it included bowling balls, ice hockey, and brooms? Well, today there's a worldwide effort to show that the Olympic sport of curling is really cool. Yes. So uh, show your support for Curling is Cool Day. Uh, I don't know how. Tell people. Tell people about curling and try it out yourself. It's cool. It's also Spay Day USA, an annual nationwide campaign to bring awareness and education to help combat the overpopulation of pets through spaying and neutering. And it's National Pancake Day, which may be my favorite holiday. And uh, reminds me of a saying, um, sometimes big pancakes do happen. Uh, Words to live by. According to a new study, 74-year-olds are the most contented people in the population. According to a report from the teenage years, until 40, happiness declines. It levels off until 46 and then starts to increase until peaking at 74. Fewer responsibilities, financial worries, and more time to yourself leads to greater contentment. Spend time with a 74-year-old. They're the most contented people we know. In Germany today, more than 14,000 spectators turn out to watch a topless tobogganing tournament. A total of 30 males and female competitors brave the elements to race along a 100-yard track. Christian Smith, 26, won the event, while a 70-year-old man got the biggest round of applause for stripping down to his long johns. Police say they've arrested a teenager who caused thousands of dollars in damage to a western New York's home's hardwood floor by breakdancing on it while wearing a large diamond belt buckle. The 18-year-old apparently was intoxicated when he arrived at a house party held by the victim's daughters in Elma, a small town just east of Buffalo. He said when the teen repeatedly tried to breakdance, he gouged the floor and caused about $3,000 worth of damage. The Diagram Prize is awarded for Britain's oddest book title. Here's this year's contenders. Afterthoughts of a Worm Hunter, Collectible Spoons of the Third Reich, Governing Lethal Behavior in Autonomous Robots, The Changing World of Inflammatory Bowel Disease, Crocheting Adventures with Hyperbolic Planes, and What Kind of Bean is This Chihuahua? The winner will be determined in an online vote and announced March 26th. One book didn't make it that I think we all agree should have. Bacon, A Love Story. A rare copy of the first comic book featuring Superman has sold one million, smashing a record set just last year. The issue sold Monday morning is a 1938 um, edition of Action Comics No. 1, widely considered the holy grail of comic books. It featured Superman lifting a car on its cover and originally cost 10 cents. I don't know how many of you know this, but we're fast approaching the time at which the rights to Superman will no longer be owned by DC Comics. In 2013, when the Siegel and Schuster Hares take ownership of the rights to Superman, nothing gets done without their approval. DC doesn't release one issue of the comic book or any animated features. Warner Brothers doesn't put out any Superman-related movies or TV shows unless the Siegels and Schusters give the go-ahead. We don't get Superman. 
which is going to be a sad time, but I completely agree. Um, Schuster and Siegel created Superman so long ago, and they didn't get anything out of, uh, out of the comic book franchise, which has been around for a very long time. So, uh, let's see. On to useless trivia. Tigers have striped skin, not just striped fur. According to Einstein's special theory of relativity, it is possible to go slower than light and faster than light, but it is impossible to go the speed of light. Also, there's a particle called tachyon, which is supposed to go faster than light. This means if you fire a tachyon beam, it travels before you fire it. It's highly confusing. Uh, When you tie a noose, the rope is wrapped 12 times around because it's the same length as a person's head. Hummingbirds are the only bird that can fly backwards. And finally, a cat's jaw cannot move sideways. Today in history, 1455, Johann Gutenberg prints the first book, the Bible. This is kind of an estimated date. In 1893, Rudolf Diesel receives a patent in Germany for the engine that bears his name. I believe we also have him to thank for Vin Diesel, for whom I am eternally grateful. 1940, Walt Disney's animated movie Pinocchio was released. In 1896, Tootsie Rolls were introduced by Leo Hirschfeld. 1988, Michael Jackson kicks off his first solo U.S. tour in Kansas City. And in 1993, Anthony Hopkins is knighted by Queen Elizabeth. And finally, weather. It's slightly rainy. Uh, A little bit more so than it was earlier. Yes. Um, And I am a... um, I'm a seasoned weatherman, so you can trust me. I don't know how many of you like rain, though why you live here is another matter. I, however, love it. It's probably because I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, but who knows. In the interest of spreading happiness and joy, I've decided to educate you on the many benefits of rain. Rain makes for a wonderfully pleasant day. Go outside and enjoy it. Maybe a little bit too late today, but there's always tomorrow. Here are a few suggestions for how to do so. Number one, go for a walk outside in the rain. Breathe the nice damp air and notice how different everything smells. Listen to the rhythmic sound of falling raindrops. It's quite relaxing. I personally love it right after it rains when it's just still a little bit cloudy outside and everything looks totally brighter. It's almost like you're wearing those like yellow tinted sunglasses. Uh, number two, after you've gone out in good weather, go home and put on some dry clothes. Fix a cup of hot tea, chocolate, coffee, or soup. If you have a working fireplace, light a fire. Then go back out later and enjoy the rain again. Personally, I love hot cocoa, popcorn, warm blanket, couch or a bed near a window, and a good book. Nothing quite beats that feeling. Listen to some songs that are about rain, such as Enya's It's in the Rain. Don't worry, I've got a number of songs planned today featuring the words rain from my enormous collection of music. Yay. Think about this. The rain washes pollutants out of the air and quenches the thirst of of the dry earth. Rain is refreshing and beautiful. It keeps things green and healthy. Here's another idea. Have your own film festival. Pick a theme, rent several action movies or sci-fi movies or movies with the same actors in them. Play Scrabble, Monopoly, or Candyland. Bake some cookies. Make tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches. Teach mom how to play the video game all the kids are playing. That's fun. You should definitely try that. Get pizza delivered for lunch and eat it picnic style on the floor. Draw pictures to send to grandparents and other relatives. Sit down and write actual letters to everyone. I still have to write Christmas cards. Um, Continuing. Go to the library and have everyone get a good book they like. Take turns reading out loud from your book and reading to each other. 
Watch the Discovery Channel and learn about animals and nature. Write a funny story together, everyone writing one sentence until you get to the end. And finally, I have a wonderful story to tell all of you about windsurfing. Although it's not actually windsurfing, we just called it that. Uh, it's probably more like tree surfing. When I was a kid, we used to have some amazingly windy rain seasons, like thunderstorms and crazy amounts of wind and flash floods and stuff like that. I think it was pretty much just the desert making up for all the time it spent not giving us anything whatsoever. It would just give it to us all at once. Uh, and during those times, my brother and I developed a practice where we would climb the tallest tree we could possibly find, which was just happened to be in our backyard, and we'd go up to the very top and we'd just sort of hang on for dear life as the wind just kind of buffeted us around. It was the most exciting thing I've ever done. I don't think my mom liked it very much, though. But, uh, yeah, I remember that with fondness. So that's my suggestion, is uh, go out there, find a tree, and uh, go up to the top and hang out in it. It's awesome. Although, I, you know, I probably can't suggest that. So don't do that. Don't do that at all. In fact, I recommend never doing that in your life, even though it's awesome.
I love that sound. Rain. I have this CD that has about 60 minutes of rain, which uh, I'm going to use as my background for the next topic. I'm going to turn that down a little bit so that uh, you can hear me. But um, you should probably go to the bathroom now because this is going to be on for a little bit here. So the topic today is uh, parents, which is interesting. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted the topic for today to be about until a couple of days ago. Uh, I was watching some TV shows and, and the theme kept recurring. Um, I was watching The Practice, which is a fantastic show. I, I didn't even discover it until very recently. Crazy ethical and moral issues that they have to deal with all the time. And um, a recurring theme came up in the first couple of seasons, and that was assisted suicide. Um, there was a couple of cases where parents were trying to deal with um, what to do about loved ones that didn't want to be around anymore. Um, old people that were sick or in pain and, uh, and trying to figure out how that fit into you know, their lifestyle and what's best for them and what's best for the family and you know, doing it for the right reasons, basically. Allowing you know, old people to decide when it was their time, which is, is a difficult issue. And it's even compounded by the fact, which they brought up, is that sometimes they feel that they're doing it to help their family. It's a, um, it's a, um, uh, I can't think of the word, you know, a word that means that um, burden, that's the word. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to be a burden on their family. And so they do it for that reason, as opposed to continuing to live. You know, um, have new experiences. Uh, other people are like, well, you know what? I've lived. I don't have necessarily anything else to live for. Maybe I've done everything, or I don't have anything that necessarily matters to me as much anymore. And that's an interesting perspective for me because I'm 28, going on 29 here, and you know, I fairly recently hit the kind of quarter-century mark for my life. And you know, thinking back, I'm like, wow, high school was pretty cool. College was awesome. I have all these memories from back then and then and here I am making new memories and I still have all this stuff that I want to do in my life and I've always had this drive to push forward and succeed and, and get this stuff out there which is kind of what our topic was last week talking about that inner drive the the need to build something and the need to accomplish something with your life and I think that's an issue for everyone uh, no matter how old they are you know you go after something for a long time maybe you have other dreams you're wrestling with you know, am I doing what's right for me or am I doing what's an obligation? And, uh, and maybe you get kind of close to the end of your life and you're thinking, well, did I do everything I wanted to do? Did I accomplish everything? Maybe I didn't. Maybe I had these other experiences instead. Um, you know, who am I? And, and how do I relate to this world and how will I be remembered when I'm gone? And those are really difficult questions that people ask themselves. The... Um, <clears throat> The thing about it, my, my parents are both uh, still around. Um, they have both lost one of their parents each. Um, so they've kind of gone through it a little bit already, but I haven't. But it's something I've started thinking about recently. Um, you know, 28, 29, my parents are both getting kind of older. And, and it's been interesting because 
living where I do. I live here in Ashland, and most of my and my mom lives in Phoenix. My dad lived in Chicago for a while, and he moved recently closer here. And having this relationship with them and seeing them a lot recently, it's just begun to kind of dawn on me that yes, they're getting older. They're definitely getting to the point where at some point I might not have them in my life anymore. And that's a really interesting thought for me. Some people may have already dealt with this thought. Uh, for me, it's kind of new. It's not something I've really had to think about before. Um, from what I understand about both my parents, I think they both plan on living forever. Which, hey, if they can do it, that's pretty awesome. Although, I imagine they probably don't want to outlive me or my brother. That is usually pretty sad. But, uh, yeah, hopefully I can at least take care of myself enough to make that not an, an issue. Uh, but, the uh, yeah, both of them are definitely getting older. And my grand my grandma is still around, which is amazing. She's in such fantastic shape. Both my grandmas are still around, and I love being in their lives. And them not being around is going to be difficult for me when that happens. And then, But it's completely different from parents. I mean, my relationship with my parent has very much revolved around me. You know, Growing up, I was a big part of both of their lives for a very long time. And that's another interesting issue is that I, I recently started discovering who my parents are as people, not just as how they relate to me, but who they are as individuals, how they grew up, what, they, what kind of stuff they did in high school, what they did in college. And, and I'm finding a lot of things in common with them. Um, I spent some time recently going back to my mom's college, and, we, and she was kind of reminiscing on some of the stuff she did and, and, and the places she lived and the experiences she had. And, and it was amazing talking to her about that because it gave me a really interesting, like, a, like something we had in common kind of thing. Like, wow, she had a complete life before I came along. She had, you know, dreams and hopes. She had parents. She had to deal with a lot of the same stuff that I've had to deal with. She's, you know, come through that and, and gained her perspective on things. And, and maybe that's something that we can talk about now, which I really like. I like having an actual, you know, friendship with my parents, not just, uh, you know, a mother and father, son kind of relationship, but actually talking to them about who they are and who they were and how they related to the world and what they wanted to do with their lives and, and all that kind of stuff. The same kind of trials and tribulations that I had growing up, you know. What, what did they deal with when they were teenagers? How did that come across to them? Uh, I thought those were really, really interesting questions for me. And, um, and it brings up a lot of issues. Parents um, getting closer to the, I guess, the twilight years. Um, you know, hey, once they get to 74, they're supposedly they're, they'll be the happiest people around, which that's awesome. Uh, we had a, a Sun City where I used to live, which was kind of a retirement community. And I went there a lot, and the people were definitely very interesting down there. Um, I would never move to Phoenix to retire. But many of you might. It was actually interesting. A lot of people moved from Chicago to Phoenix, and a lot of people from Phoenix moved to Chicago. It's almost like they love the opposites, which I totally understand. I'm much more attuned to cold weather than I am to warm, which I don't get at all. Um, but I digress. The, uh, yeah, the big issue being... Um, closer they get, how do you deal with um, obligations? I mean, what's, what's the obligation of a son to his mom or to his dad? 
You know, is there an assisted living situation? Is there, how do you deal with these questions? How do you, how do you deal with who you are as a person and then how you relate to who you are taking care of another person? Um, I mean, some people think it's forced on them. Some people think of it as an obligation. Some people think of it as a wonderful gift. And a friend of mine brought up to me, you know, if, if he had a family, it would be much easier for him to think about that right now. You know, a wife and kids and, um, and the whole, you know, the whole nine yards, whatever that is, because it's a, it's a place of security. I know for myself, um, visiting Phoenix was difficult for me at first because it brought up a lot of feelings of resentment, not necessarily towards my parents, although I kind of applied that to them at the time. But feelings of, I moved away from this thing, and here I am back in Phoenix, and, you know, what am I doing? Um, you know, was Ashland all a dream? Was all that stuff that I put out there, you know, did it not happen? You know, what are the chances of all that failing and me having to move back here? It feels like a step back. It's, um, it's interesting when you move out, when you start becoming your own person, and it takes a few years to kind of... Find out who you are and how you relate to your parents in a different way than you did when you used to live with them. Um, I've had a few more years now since since then, and um, Ashton truly does feel like home now. When I visit Phoenix, I find pieces that I forgot that I left behind, pieces of me like my drive, my inner motivation, these things that I don't necessarily have while I'm here up in Ashland. And, and it's been really great finding that again, finding the ability to talk with my mom and, and with my dad and, and having that relationship that I didn't necessarily have in the same way when I was growing up. I don't really know where I'm going with all this. It's more or less just a number of different points and topics and things like that. But, um, yeah, I think the, uh, the end result is that um, it's, it's going to be difficult when that comes up. When the, uh, when the question of, of who I am and, and how I relate to them after they're gone comes up. And I feel really gifted that I still have this time now to, to get to know them and who they were and, and, um, and, and you know, create a friendship with my parents, not only you know, as a family member, but as a person, find out who they were. Southern Oregon Jobs with Justice. Southern Oregon Jobs with Justice proudly supports KSKQLP 94.9 FM in Ashland, Oregon. 
Southern Oregon Jobs with Justice brings together labor unions, religious congregations, student groups, and community organizations to improve working people's standard of living, job security, and their right to organize. Southern Visit their website at www.sojwj.org. KSKQ thanks Southern Oregon Jobs with Justice for supporting community radio. Extra, extra, extra good news. The makers of Jell-O have discovered a way to give you rich, luscious chocolate pudding far more easily and far more economically than ever before. With the new Jell-O chocolate pudding powder, you can make old-fashioned pudding, smooth, creamy, and chocolatey, just like the ones grandmother used to make back in the good old days. Now you can have them again, and this is all you have to do. Just combine the contents of a package of Jell-O chocolate pudding with some milk in the top of your double boiler, letting it cook until it becomes smooth and thick. When the mixture has cooled, serve it in sherbet glasses. You'll have enough for six helpings, and that means six happy people. Jell-O chocolate pudding is so simple, so inexpensive, and so downright delicious that you mustn't delay trying it. Ask your grocer for Jell-O chocolate pudding, and if he hasn't put it in stock yet, be sure he orders it for you. Remember the name, Jell-O chocolate pudding. So um, I'm going to introduce you guys to a new uh, radio show. Um, I've been playing the Danny Kay show for the last few episodes, and um, last week we took a break from that, and I want to introduce you to something else. This is called Chicken Man. It was originally created by Dick Orkin at WCFL Radio in Chicago in 1966. It's a daily serial that satirized the then-popular TV series Batman. I don't know why it needs to be satirized. I mean, I've seen it. It's already a satire. A a fantastic one. But uh, Dick Orkin wrote all the episodes and starred as Chicken Man. The most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. At the time, Dick had no idea how incredibly popular this humble radio comedy serial would become. It was and remains a world phenomenon. (coughs) Excuse, Excuse me. Even today, if you yell, Chicken Man, millions of loyal fans will instantly respond, He's everywhere, he's everywhere. Which I didn't even find out about until very recently. Uh, I actually found Chicken Man when I was looking for The Tooth Fairy, which was a radio show that I actually listened to when I was a kid. My grandpa used to record all of them, and he had a number of the tapes. In addition to radio listeners in every English-speaking part of the world who heard Chicken Man on their local radio stations, millions of U.S. servicemen who served in Vietnam hold Chicken Man very dear to their hearts, thanks to its broadcast over American Armed Forces Radio. In fact, there was even a Chicken Man battalion. If you have a friend or relative who served in Vietnam, ask them about Chicken Man. So, I'm going to introduce you to that show. The intro gets kind of annoying after a while, so I may only play a couple of them here. But, um, but this, is, uh, this is Chicken Man. Here we go. Now, another exciting episode in the life of the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. <laughs> Chicken Man! 
Benton Harper, employed as a shoe salesman for a large downtown department store, spends his weekends, his only two days off, striking terror into the hearts of criminals everywhere as the white-winged warrior called Chicken Man. How did it come about that Benton Harbor weekend-winged warrior selected the visage of the chicken in his crusade against the forces of evil? Now it can be told. Yes, may I help you? How do you do? I'm looking for a costume. What did you have in mind? Something that will strike terror into the hearts of criminals everywhere. I see. Well, how about this? Hmm. No, I don't think so. Why not try it on? Very well. Here, I'll help you. Thank you. There you are. Now, take a look in the mirror. Hmm. Not bad. I wonder if you would permit me to conduct a quick experiment outside this store. Certainly. Pardon me, sir. Yeah. Are you by chance a vicious criminal? Uh-huh. Fine. Would you take a look at this costume I'm wearing? Yeah. Do you feel anything strange? Uh... Anything at all? Uh, yeah. And what is that? I'd, uh, like to kiss you. Kiss me? Yeah. How do you account for that? Because you look like an adorable bunny rabbit. Well, how does it go? What else do you have? A teddy bear and a chicken. A teddy bear? It'd be cute. Wrap up the chicken, please. Be listening tomorrow for another exciting episode in the life of the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. of the Police Commissioner of Midland City. Yes, come in. Uh, Commissioner? What? Oh, yes, I am. My name is Benton Harbor. He carries in his right hand a large suitcase. Put down your large suitcase, Mr. Harbor, and tell me what I can do for you. Monday through Friday, Commissioner, I am regularly employed as a shoe salesman for a large downtown department store. Yes. However, my weekends will be free, and therefore I will be available to you as the most fantastic crime fighter the world has ever known. And you will be known as... I will be known as Chicken Man. Miss Helfinger, please bring your notepad and pencil and come into my office immediately. Yes, sir. Thank you for coming so quickly. Miss Helfinger, this is Mr. Benton Harbor. Hello, Miss Harbor. No, I'm Miss Helfinger. You're Mr. Harbor. Oh, yes. How do you do? Please take a note, Miss Helfinger, that Mr. Harbor will be available on weekends to fight crime as... Yes. Chicken Man. Chicken Man? Chicken Man. Benton Harbor opens the large suitcase. He removes from it a strange costume covered with thousands of tiny feathers. Immediately, he begins climbing into it. Well, does somebody give me a hand? Of course. Certainly. Just for the luck wing, please. That's it. Fine. There you go. Miss Helfinger, we'll need to know how to get in touch with Mr. Harbor. I'll be right wing. May I have your phone number, Mr. Harbor? Of course. Watch the feathers, please. My phone number is... Well... Born this day in Midland City, the white-winged warrior who will strike terror into the hearts of criminals every... In our last episode, if you'll remember, in the office of the police commissioner and before members of the press, Chicken Man had leaped from the top rung of a stepladder, intending to wing his way through an open skylight in a dazzling display of his flying agility. However, as you'll also recall, the feathered fighter tripped on his left wing while climbing the ladder. Unbeknownst to him, this had caused a slight tear in the left wing, and as a result... The winged warrior found 
himself winging backward into a closed window in the commissioner's office. Much later, in the commissioner's office. Yes, commissioner. Miss Helfinger, would you please bring your scotch tape and come into my office immediately? Thank you for coming. Now, would you please take the tape into that broom closet over there? Certainly, Commissioner. Yes? It's Miss Helfinger. Come in, please. Would you close the door? All right. Now, may I have the scotch tape? Yes. It's rather dark in here, isn't it? Yes, I have my cigarette lighter. Oh, yes, that's much better. Now, if you would, Miss Helfinger, take this piece of tape. You'll notice a slight tear under the left wing. Oh, yes. Could you please? Yes, there you are. Hmm, thank you. Now, if you'll stand back, please. Oh, yes, that's fine. Thank, <coughs> thank you for uh, helping. <coughs> are you smoking, Miss Helfinger? No. Strange, something seems to be burning. Oh, pardon me, feathered fighter, but I believe that you're up wing. <coughs> <coughs> yes, <coughs> you're right. Perhaps if you... <coughs> Doesn't seem to be helping. No. <laughs> Clap harder, wing warrior. I'm clapping, I'm clapping. Good grief. <laughs> well, does this mean fried chicken in the commissioner's broom closet? Will the Midland City Fire Department reach the winged warrior before his goose is cooked? Recover his lost time this night. 
Minneapolis Poultry and Egg Association banquet begin without him? And if so, will the feathered fighter ever be invited to be the guest speaker again? So that was Chicken Man, which I think we're going to stick with for a little while there. Um, it's actually quite entertaining, except for maybe the intro and the ending. But um, maybe if I can figure out some way to cut those out, we will keep those going. But uh, yeah, that <laughs> was Chicken Man. Um, we're pretty much at the end of our show. Um, before we go, I'm going to do a quick quote of the week, which, um, yeah, let's see. Quote of the week, age is not experience. We are all experiencing this moment. Those who use the past as a roadmap will only experience the past. For more quotes, check out remindersforthesoul.com. Okay, and our final segment, the uh, spell speak. So I hope you have your pencils ready, and hopefully you can decipher this. Here we go. M-A-N-W-H-O-P-U-T-H-E-A-D-O-N-R-A-I-L-R-O-A-D-T-R-A-C-K-T-O-L-I-S-T-E-N-F-O-R-T-R-A-I-N-L-I-K-E-L-Y